0: Alright, good morning church. Doesn't it feel nice outside? You may want the sunshine, but let's just say this is a lot better than 90-some feeling like 100-and-some. So, we can praise our God for the weather today. Would you stand up with us as we worship our Lord this morning with forever? my wife, Molly, to kind of introduce the song and a little bit about why it's so special to us personally. Yeah.
1: This next song is very special to me and Andrew. Uh, about a year and a half ago when it came on the radio, our two girls lo- absolutely loved it and just would sing it in the back seat so loud as we were driving. And then about two and a half weeks ago, um, we went to visit Serenity, our oldest daughter, at Camp Chautauqua. Trinity was with us. Um, and at the end, when they were playing this next song um, for the invitation, and it's so amazing how God works because Trinity's standing next to me, and the speaker tells us to ask the people next to you if you want to go forward. I've heard him say that before, and I'm like, I don't want my daughter to go forward just because a bunch of other people are going forward. But I just heard the Holy Spirit inside me. like she She was looking like... And I was just like, why? I was like, I can talk to her in the car uh, about it. I was like, but why? Why not right now? And so I turned to her. I'm like, do you want to go forward? And she's like, yeah. Yeah, I do. And I told Andrew, and, and he starts crying. And then my dad starts crying, Pastor Rick. <laughs> and so we go forward with Trent, and we ask her, why do you want to come forward? In typical Trent fashion, what? Um, <laughs> um, and then she's like, I want to ask Jesus to forgive me. And I didn't have to say anything, and I, I was, well, you know how to do that. And she just started praying. There's nothing we had to say. This next song again was the song that was playing at the time. It's called Waymaker. Um, and the the words just fit so well. Um, even when I don't feel it, you're working. And just so many times as a parent, I've been like, Am I setting a good example? And you know what? the end of the day it's God who does the work and it doesn't matter Um, it is God who is the way maker and the most important way is to him Um, and we never under have to underestimate the work that he is doing Um, we just need to accept that we need to worship him so that is why this song is so special and, and hope you enjoy the words as we sing along
0: I You never stop working Waymaker, miracle worker Promise keeper Light in the darkness My God, that is who you are
2: Dear Lord, we come before you at a time When we hear these words And for some they may sound grandiose or hopeful and that could never be me but to others in this room and watching by Facebook they're living these words they got to experience you as the way maker you've made a way for us to be ushered into your presence because of Jesus Christ and in this prayer we recognize and want to thank you and honor you for providing that way that solo way for us to have this relationship way beyond a religion Lord in this room we've had people with trials that would with no possible way out but they got to experience the miracle worker the greatest miracle of of a converted life given over to you odds being against them we have people that are maybe watching by Facebook this morning that are hearing this song and are their heart they can only see what's in front of them what they see in front of them is not you it's it's heavy it's dark it's hopeless but yet right beyond that cloud is the Sun the light the light of your word the light of your promise So, Lord, we lift up before you our hearts. We welcome you into this building. We welcome you into this church body. And we can only do that when we welcome you individually into our will, our mind, our soul. But, Lord, we praise you looking back at the work you've done. We praise you for never giving up on the genuine believer as the song sings and as your word proclaims, and we praise you for what you're going to do. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, that these words become life and truth to everyone, everyone that listens. Have us all to step closer to you by faith and some to step across that line of faith that would bring us in that proper relationship. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for being our Savior. It's in your name we lift this prayer and this song. Amen. We thank the praise team for leading us this morning and all the work and the preparation that, that they do, and for uh, us just being able to be in God's presence today. It's good to be in His house with His people. I'm watching on Facebook at the same time. Many people are welcoming us. We welcome you, and we welcome uh, uh, are welcoming back. They're welcoming back, saying they're grateful to be here this morning. We have a lot of activity right now in our church, and activity is a good thing, but that's not our only and main goal. Our goal is uh, well, it has several layers to it, but one is to honor God through His Word. When we lift up His Word and we, we look at life through that lens of His Word, we adjust our lives, we are a blessed people, and He's lifted up as well. A question for you to think about today. Are you a man or a woman that is pursuant to be after God's own heart? Do you pursue, do you want to be known as a person after God's own heart? And some of you would say, yes, I desperately long for that, but pastor, I can't get there. I just can't get there. You know what I find is a lot of times people think they want to be after God's own heart, but when they, their own heart is revealed to themselves, they discover that I don't want to be after God's own heart. I want God to adjust to my heart. I want God to pursue my heart. Why am I pursuing God? Well, the truth is, He is pursuing you. First Peter tells us that God is not slack concerning His promise. He's not sleeping. He's not, he's not unaware, but wants all people to come to Him. So when we hear even from a child, to an adult that, that makes that decision to come to Christ is because he's initiated a work. Listen, he's initiated a work, perhaps, in somebody in this room, somebody in, in hearing distance, and you've been calloused to his working. You've, you, you don't understand. Well, I was reading just uh, yesterday, uh, somebody had made this quote that a lot of times you don't see Until you believe. You you believe in God's word. The Bible makes these claims. And this morning I want to share with you that very thought. And this is very practical today. Extremely practical. Extremely easy to put into our lives this morning. How to be a person after God's own heart. A heart that reaches out. If you're a believer today, somebody shared a message with you. They shared a Um, uh, a a portion of scripture, or they shared a testimony. They shared an element of God's word with you. We want to share, and we want you to be sharing the very same thought. You know, wherever you go, Pastor Rick taught me this years ago, um, Wherever you choose for a career, and, and God is working and blessed you with gifts and talents, it's because he wants you to use those gifts and talents right where you are, but for his purpose. If you want to be a good witness for Jesus Christ, and by the way, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, in fact, we'll put that one on the screen, Acts 1, 8. Jesus said, you will be my witness. Not, he says you shall be, in, in uh, well, let's look at it. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This is in Acts 1.8. The church is transitioning. And it, now for the believer, when we accept Christ, we get the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in full force. And it says he, when the Holy Spirit, as the believer, has come upon you, you shall be witnesses. Say, she, she, say shall with me you shall that means you will be that's a legal term that we use in courts even today it will you are a witness whether you want to be a willing participant or not in other words if you're a believer people are watching that's what that means they're watching a lot of people especially if you proclaim to be a believer you proclaim to go to church you know what they're watching they're watching to see if you're going to fail or not because if you can stumble and you can fail I, I, knew it was, I, knew it, I knew you couldn't make it. And I knew it was too good to be true. But they're also watching to see who's real and who's not. People don't want to hear about Jesus Christ from a person that is an average worker, but they will stand in line to talk to the very best worker in that company. I can give you uh, several stories on that one, but you know, think about that in your own occupation. If someone was a slacker doing the uh, uh, barest, um, we called them M.E.s at a one place I called. What's an M.E.? A minimum effort. They put out the very minimum they can put out and still get a paycheck. That person doesn't seem to have people rallying around them. But somebody that is way beyond an average worker, that excels in what they do, that's good at what they do, they're passionate at what they do, even in the work world, people will go to them. I've seen it in machine shops. The most astute machine that could know how to work a break and, 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 and bend metal a certain way and all these things that go with it, they, they get in line when they have a difficult question. They don't go to the average worker. The best at what you do for his glory also gives you the right to be heard and respected. When Jesus was about to leave this earth, he said, You will be my witness, Acts 1.8. Your life, all areas are to be filled with integrity so people will see God in your life and are drawn to him. It's being, it's what we call in the church world, being a witness without words. It's preaching, use words if you must. They see, more things are caught than taught and all the other cliches that go with that. Another way to earn the right to share about our faith is to by being a neighbor or being neighborly. You can't pick your family or your neighbors, per se, but you can choose to love them or not. Some families and neighbors can be more taxing than others. Amen? Amen? They can be more taxing than others. Love them. Odds are you're taxing to them too. And they're loving on you. Some, we need to be approachable, be a neighbor. Now, I was reluctant to do this because this section of scripture we're getting ready to turn to, I've preached every way possible. You know the storyline. So I'm not going to go in detail. On the storyline. There's so many applications and principles of what comes out of this parable parable of a story that Jesus was telling. A parable that was pointing out a bigger point than just a cute story. And it's in Luke chapter 10. I'm gonna invite you to turn there with me this morning to Luke chapter 10. And what we're going to do, I'm going to read the parable, I'm not going to do this, I have preached this in so many different ways and shapes, but today, and I think it's now that I'm hearing some of the backstory of what people are going through this very moment in our church and beyond, and some that are watching on Facebook and beyond, this is very very bookshelf level and applicable, something that we can do. So if, you're, if, you, if you want to pick apart this message, you're welcome to do that. There's more um, principles probably than, than I'm going to point out. That's okay. I, I, I've got a, several messages on the Good Samaritan. But I want you to think about the, this as we read this story. Think about this, being a person after God's own heart. That seems unattainable. How can I have the heart of God? I want God to have my heart. I don't want to have his. His is too big. It's too, I don't even understand the way God does and, 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 and acts the way he acts. I would do things different if I was God. Well, you'll never know because you'll never be God. You could never be God. There's only one creator, there's only one holy, perfect creator human being, sovereign human being, uh, 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 deity, and it's God the Father. We need His heart. I know you don't understand a lot of things. You will. You will. But not, to, not in this moment, perhaps. I want us to be a person after God's own heart. Acts, Luke chapter 10 is where we are. This is known as the Good Samaritan. Uh, in Acts chapter 10, he sent out 70 and they came back, they returned with joy. Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit. And verse 25 is where we pick up. As, as Jesus is asked a question, it's a set-up question, and then with the follow-up follow question. So verse 25 is where we start, and it says, Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Well, they already thought they had the answer anyways. So it's a kind of a set-up question. And Jesus said to them in verse 26, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So what is, what is the law, meaning the, at that point, the Old Testament? And what's your understanding of it? Boy, that's key, isn't it? How do you, in, how do you interpret God's word is, is ultimately what he's saying there. Are you going to interpret through your own lens? Or are you going to interpret scripture in light of God's lens? That's what makes the difference. Verse 27. So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. So verse 27 uh, answers verse 26, which is what is your reading of it? They read it perfectly. They got the reading of it perfectly. But the application and the interpretation is something different, isn't it? Verse 28. And he said to him, you have answered rightly do this and you'll live You've, you 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 got the information do this and live i was thinking about this just the other day how many people would agree I, i've had i've not had anybody say it to me but i think people believe that what sometimes when i'm preaching and teaching is right they believe that what i'm saying is right they believe that the gospel is right but they don't believe the gospel does that make sense They believe that I believe it. They may even believe that it's true, but they don't want to believe it in their own personal life. Do this and you will live, Jesus says. Love God, love each other. If you're going to love God, you will learn how to love each other. Sometimes we love each other and maybe we'll try to love God. That's backwards. Love God... Then you'll know how to love and you'll love each other. But verse 29 goes on But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Mr. Rogers, right? Won't you be my neighbor? Verse 30 And then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among the thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Verse 31, now by chance a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. So he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Verse 35, on the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, uh, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, take care of him, and whatever more you spend when I come again, I will pay you. So which of these three do you uh, think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? Verse 37, and he said, he who showed mercy on him, Jesus said to him, then Jesus said to him, go, go. And do likewise. The very same thing he ended in verse 28 is how he ended in verse 37. Go do it. Remember, he asked him, What's your reading of it? and he read it right. Now he's given the, him the interpretation of it. And he still, the answer is Jesus' still application is the same. Go and do likewise. Developing a heart. That reaches out. God is reaching out. He reaches out. Somebody reached out to you, most likely. I appreciate the story that Molly was sharing. and I'm going to tell you why. Pastor Rick and I, and we get together as staff sometimes, we we want to make sure that we're honoring God in all we do. We do do not want to manipulate anybody. God's way bigger than us manipulating people. Way bigger than that. It was echoed right here. Pastor Rick and I have talked about this w- w- with children. And, and we've, we talked about that. Hey, do you want to go up front? And what that means is at a chapel service, there's, there, there's an invitation. There's an invitation to come to consider Christ. And, and sometimes when you lead somebody and ask somebody to go, well, then their motive, especially a child, a child typically, typically, I don't know about mine, They they don't want to disappoint who they look up to. They don't want to disappoint mom or dad or a pastor. So we we talk about that, like, do we we take a child by hand up front? And and we don't want to, it's a weird dynamic. But at the same time, at the same exact time, I can't think of a better scenario than a mother asking a daughter if you want to go up front. I can't think of a better scenario than that. Beautiful. Developing a heart that reaches out is what I want us to consider. We're going to look at some principles this morning, not the details of this story. And please remember that this is a story. It didn't really happen. Sometimes we try to superimpose a parable, like get more out of it than than what Jesus is really saying. To develop a heart that reaches out, it takes initiative. Love takes initiative. In verses 30 through 34, we see that this one took initiative. Something's amazing here is, is about to happen because uh, in verse 30 where it says, Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among the thieves. Well, the implication there is that this is a, uh, uh, someone of Israel, Remember, at this time when Jesus is speaking, everything is super hot in social issues, in cultural issues. You had all these people coming together, separated by language, separated by religion, separated by skin color, by dialect. Very much people groups, not a melting pot like we have uh, more of, of today. Very much segregated Love takes initiative, and what you see in verse 30 is this guy most likely was a Jew, and uh, someone from Israel, who was on this journey. And then we know the story goes that he fell among the thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, departed, leaving him half dead. So beat to, in this word picture, beat to inches of his life. Two religious leaders moved to the other side to avoid the scene. Two of the other religious leaders. What do we learn about those religious leaders? One, a priest came down that road, a person of their own national descent. And then the Levite, in verse 30, was a person of their own national descent. They went way out of their way so that they could avoid that scene. They rejected the initiative to mend that man. If you have love in your heart, placed by God, it's going to be looking for a place to land. Don't hoard that love. Don't hoard it. Share it. Share that love. What happens when the need is greater than the love? That's an interesting question, isn't it? What happens when the need is greater than the resource, greater than the love? Because we can't meet every need. You know, we, you've heard us mention in times past Pacific Garden Mission, the second largest homeless shelter in the United States. And it was one of the things that was interesting to watch. They face, they face problems there daily of balancing out between helping those in need and not feeding the abusers. That's where we find ourselves at times, don't we? We don't want to cripple, enable somebody to, to, we want to help, but man, we can't decipher who's who sometimes. The point is, love takes initiative. It takes initiative. John 3.16 is the verse we go to to look for the definition of love for God so loved the world that he, he gave. That's initiative. He gave. You didn't give. He gave. That's initiative. Question for you to think about. Is there someone you can demonstrate God's love to right now? That person come to mind. I'm going to ask the question again, and then we're going to be a, there's going to be a pause. Is there someone you can demonstrate God's love to right now? Did you see a face, a name? Is there someone you could demonstrate God's love to? Here's the next question: Are you going to do it? So first we saw that love takes the initiative. Consider this, that sometimes we need to love the unlovely. Look in verse 33. Look in verse 33. Again, we could dissect this story, but we're kind of hitting the the principal points, if you will. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. So let's reset the story. This guy was traveling, most likely of Israel, a Jew, and then the two religious leaders who were of his national descent passed by, didn't want to touch it. But in verse 33, here comes a person who shouldn't have had anything to do with it. They didn't like them and they didn't like them. Everything was wrong about this scenario. But he's the one who had compassion. Hey, something very interesting about this storyline, you never read where the Samaritan and this guy that was beaten up to within inches of his life ever have a conversation. We don't read that they said anything. Now, again, this is a parable, but it's, uh, I think that's interesting to note. The point is love is seen more than it's heard. Man, it's quiet up in here. It's seen more than it's heard. The beat man would be unlovely at that moment. The good Samaritan, the bad guy, so to speak, is the one who ministered to him. Love those who even hate you. Love comes in all types and styles, and so do people. Here's another food for thought in verse 33 is that when there's no there, there's no impact if you don't have contact. There's no impact if you don't have contact. How much impact did the priest and the levite have on the beaten man that's that's half dead? I think none. He's probably unconscious if we were to think this story through. There's no impact there. There's a good reason why there couldn't be a dialogue. Perhaps the guy was unconscious. He was left half dead. Well, the part that was half alive may have been unconscious. But the Samaritan had impact because of his contact. We see something else interesting in verse 33. That love requires a broken heart. Verse, at the end of verse 33, it says, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He had compassion. He had a broken heart. For this individual. Now why is Jesus telling this story? Do you remember why he's telling this story? Because they tried to trick him with that question. That heart attitude. Hey what do I have to have to have eternal life? And they had the right rendering. The right wording. The memorization of the scripture. But they didn't have the right application. Love requires a broken heart. What did the Samaritan have toward the beaten man? He had compassion. He had pity. This refers to his emotions. Have you ever been sick to your stomach over an incident or an issue? The answer is yes. You probably have. That's how that man felt, but the difference is he did something about it. Jesus explained, experienced the same thing in Luke 7, verse 13. In fact, let's go back just a couple pages in your Bible to Luke chapter 7. In verse 13. Jesus experienced the same things numerous times, several times over in Luke 7, 13 says, When the Lord saw her, <clears throat> talking about this issue with the the son uh, and the widow, when when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. He was going to do something about it. Don't weep. And over and again, we can cross-reference scripture all day long on how Jesus ministered to people. And by the way, as a Christian, as a little Christ, we are to emulate him. You may think, well, pastor, give me the ability, Jesus' ability, and I'll I'll do it all day long. We are to emulate him. We're to be his hands and feet here on this earth. And sometimes that requires a broken heart. Back to Luke chapter 10, thinking about this good Samaritan scenario, the witness, we need to witness both verbally and non-verbally. No, really, scripture reference for this point because the sermon doesn't the, the Samaritan doesn't say anything to the wounded man we don't record that anywhere what does that tell you his actions were doing the talking in our church in our church body we talk about this all the time maybe you it gets you get tired of hearing it sounds like you guys are bragging on yourself so much but when you experience it, then you can't help but talk about it. And it's this, that this church, when, as a church body, when one is hurting, knows how to come alongside each other. I've witnessed it. You've witnessed it. You've felt it. And when you feel it, it's overwhelming to know that this is a church body that, in sometimes in non, most of times in nonverbal ways, Knows how to love on each other. A French philosopher once used this quote. Show me your redeemed life and I'll believe in your redeemer. Show me the life. Don't just tell me about it. Show it to me. Then I'll believe in your redeemer. In verse 33 through 35, we see something else that this Samaritan was, he was flexible. How flexible are you? I'm not talking about bending over and picking up something you drop flexible. I mean, flexible in your scheduling, in your day, being willing to go out of your way. All three men in this scenario were going somewhere to do something. Two didn't want to be bothered, were afraid of, or whatever the reason, but the Samaritan was going somewhere too. Look in verse 33, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He was going somewhere. The good Samaritan was looking for, he wasn't looking for wounded Jews to help, but there he was. He saw one in need. He was flexible. You know, sometimes being flexible can happen at the most inopportune times. And sometimes you're even you're, you're concerned it's coming from a genuine place but even at the end of it you get a little you want a little recognition for it i'll tell you a story carla and i was traveling back from canton a couple years ago and um man it was a bad storm you could barely see you're creeping along coming down uh, i-71 and uh a car, you could, we're, we're going pretty slow, and a car had lost control in front of us. And it was raining so heavy, you could barely see it spinning, went into a ditch, and it was a bad. No, nobody could see this car. It, we only saw it because it was in front of us. So I pulled over, and I told Carlos, stay here, call 911. And I went to that car. I called 911 as well to help the people. The car was down in a ditch. It was it, You would have never known these people were here, and I stayed with them, and it's pouring raining, and the kid, there's a child in there, and the child's crying. The, the older lady that was driving was just in shock. They weren't hurt per se, but they were definitely rattled, to say the least, and then the other lady was starting, uh, she's in shock, she's starting to panic, and, and I'm smelling gas. The whole scenario is going on, and it's pouring down raining. It was really foggy as well. I stayed with them, trying to talk to paramedic, and finally I I share with them kind of where I think we are. I don't know the mile marker. I'm giving them things to look for. We're in the woods, so you can't really see. Finally, they show up, and and I'm trying to say, hey, the car's, and all the the, the, uh, first responders went right past me. And I was trying to tell them the scenario, and then the officer showed up, and he just did like this to me and went to the scene. And I was trying to explain to them what happened so they could knew, they knew the information, but nobody wanted to hear it. And it was pouring rain, so I just kind of went and got back in the car and waited and finally left. And I told Carla, I said, man, you think they at least want to know the scenario of what happened? You think they at least want to know what, the, the issues and what was going on at hand? And the more I searched my heart on that, I thought... I was genuinely concerned about the people. I don't know that I wasn't looking for a, hey, thank you. I don't know that I wasn't looking for that to some degree or another. There's no way you can see this happening in front of your eyes and not be moved. I can't imagine people that would see a wreck and not, not be moved with compassion. That could, that, was, that could have been fatal. We have to be flexible. When these opportunities are laid before you, by the way, when I was with this family and they, I told them paramedics on the way, I'm holding the baby, trying to get the baby to calm down a little bit and things like that. And I said that I was a pastor. I'm praying for you right now. We have to be flexible and be compassionate as we see people. That was an incident, an accident, and an issue. There's people with greater needs than that in our lives each and every day. Way greater needs. Listen, there's people that are hellbound today. The original message today was going to be how to pray for the lost. Do we pray for the lost? Well, Romans chapter 10 says yes, and I want to preach on that. Praying. There's people that have a greater need than the the ailing things that we see in our lives. Be willing to sacrifice. Verse 34 and 35 is interesting because this guy used his own resources in verse 34. He used what he had. He sacrificed his possessions. What's mine's mine. He didn't have to share those things. He sacrificed his time. He was going somewhere, and he sacrificed his finances. Question How much are you willing to sacrifice? Sacrifice means give it up and not give it back, is what sacrifice means. It may mean you have lunch with an an acquaintance from work and and just listen to them pour out their heart. Don't try to fix them. Some people just need to know that somebody out there cares. That may be a great first step right there. Here's an interesting thought. Remember this. Even your enemies, or now I'm going to say enemies, but even those that that are unbelievers, they are not the enemy. Unbelievers are not the enemy. We're not to be, as believers, we're not to be heathen hunters. The robbers were the enemies to that man. The wounded man was the victim. Satan is the enemy. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26. Remember this. Please remember this. Vitally important. If we're going to be honest, and those watching by Facebook, sometimes people watch by Facebook because it's, it's just easier, and you can armchair your spirituality. You can armchair a church. You can criticize us even. Here's one thing that perhaps the outside world says about believers is that, man, why be part of a church? They beat up their own. They stumble and they fall and they just jump on them like crazy. That's not, that's not us at all. But I want you to look at how, who the enemy is here. The enemy is from evil himself. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26. Now, the, 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 the context here, and Paul's writing to Timothy, this young pastor. He talks about uh, approved and disapproved workers. But look at what he says in verse, to be honest, we need to start in verse 24. It says, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, be patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. Now, that, now he just switched the topics. Now we're talking about those who are in opposition. If God, perhaps, will grant them repentance, meaning the people that are, unbelievers. God is the one who will grant them repentance so they may know the truth. Say truth. Now watch what happens. Verse 26. And that, that they, speaking of the unbeliever, may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. There's the enemy. See, a lot of times we picture our enemies coming f- face on. Not this enemy. This enemy's sneaky, a snare, a trap, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Nice people, but unbelievers, nice people, but unbelievers are trapped by evil to do what evil wants him to do or her to do. Satan is the enemy. Unbelievers are the victims. Remember that. When you see people that are wayward, we see this in our world. We see it in our families. They're not. The, they're, they're victims. They're victims to the devil. They are wounded and they can't help themselves. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 18. That's a great read right there. We are commanded to be like that good neighbor of Luke chapter 10. Look in verse 36 and 37. Verse 36 and verse 37. We are commanded to be like that good neighbor. Man, I keep hearing that stupid state farm jingle in my head. Like a good neighbor. State farm is there. We're commanded to be. Like him, look in verse 36 and 37. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him, Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. We're commanded, commanded. He was commanded to be like that guy. You and I are commanded to have the heart like that guy. Who's that guy? That guy, the Samaritan, was the one who had a heart he was a man after God's own heart. Is that not what this is all about? So what I want us to do today, men and women, is to be people that would pursue God's heart. As we pursue his heart, his heart starts to live out in us, in our hands, in in our bodies, in our words, in our demeanor as well. It's no fool that would exchange your heart for His because Christ gave His life for ours. We need to know and understand and pursue. Be diligent. There is a spiritual discipline that we need to make sure we put in place and keep in place, and that is pursuing God. How do we do that? Through the reading of His Word, through the understanding of His Word, by asking questions, by attending your Life Point Bible study group. Ask the questions. Get into this thing. Get into the word. I was sharing with Faithful Life a little bit ago that, you know, 2022 is coming up. You know what that is, right? Here at our church, we're challenged to read through the Bible in a year. It's that even number year that's coming up. If you want to start now, that's okay. It's quite all right. Why do we challenge you to do that? Because that's how you will have a heart that pursues God. You'll have the heart of God that will work in you from the inside out. I'm grateful to know that when Christ walked this earth, God in the flesh, God with us, that as he walked this earth, we have not only his principles, we have a, a way to emulate him. He modeled it right for us, how to have that mind that pursues him. So today I'm speaking to the believer. The application is to simply to pursue him and let him overtake. Let him overtake your mind. You think, well, that's brainwashing. Having the heart and the mind of God is not a brainwashing. Brainwashing would be someone up here telling you what to think and how to think it. This is God the creator. and You being connected, when you have the heart and the mind of God, you're never more whole. And that's a challenge to the church today. I want to speak to anyone that may not know him. And you're kicking this thing around. You're thinking it over. You're, what's true and what's real and what's not. We introduce you to the very same principles. Go and do likewise. To inherit eternal life that starts today. You love God. Understand who he is. And next is you will love others. You The command's there, but it'll also start to happen. Let's bow for prayer. Can we do that this morning? We're going to take time to close in prayer and then open up the altar for a time for you to come and and do any business with God that you may have privately. Dear God, thank you for loving us. And there's so much more in this Luke chapter 10, so much more in the scripture that we could cover, but for today, for now, I pray that we would lay our hearts open and bare before you. You would look into our hearts and you would point out what needs course corrected, what needs fixed, what needs overhauled, what needs redeemed, what needs transformed. And you would encourage where you're already working the righteousness that you've placed in our heart, and you would help it to grow. But ultimately, we just want to be well-pleasing to you to do the lifting, do the work of a believer or of a wayward that would lay bare before you. I lift this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I invite you to stand with us. We'll be singing a song or two, or a verse or two. This is a prayer time for anyone that would want to come and pray privately. You may want to bring somebody with you. Andrew, won't you lead us?
0: to make uh, right after the morning service here. Uh, the men who are going to the golf outing in October, they're going to meet right after the service up here at the front. Um, the other big announcement is the Bible Quest pool party is still on. Um, that's, that's right after the, uh, the church service this morning from uh, noon to 3 o'clock. If you have any questions about that, be sure to ask Pastor Rick. And then one other announcement, I've had uh, several folks ask about Awana starting up. We are planning to start that again on Wednesday nights. Uh, beginning in September. So the first Wednesday of September is September the 1st. So uh, we are planning to, to resume family nights and Iwana on that Wednesday night. If you have any questions, feel free to ask me after the service. With that, you are dismissed.